Good morning, everyone. How you doing? Good morning, Macy. This is too short. <laughs> it's only been five days this year, and I'm already whacking moles in my life. I don't know. If uh, I seem a little out of it, it's because the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the youth had a lock-in Friday to Saturday, and uh, I had a, some adults help me out. And it was really 12 hours of barely controlled chaos. It was an awesome time. If I told you what went on, Pastor Tom would ground me again for another month, so I'm not going to do that. We had a lot of fun, but I need to thank Brooke Grimes, Alex Eddy, Nathan King, uh, Thomas Tarango, my son Daniel, and my daughter Sarah for the time that we had. Without those adults, uh, we couldn't have pulled it off. And interestingly enough, I need to bring this up. A couple of months ago, one of the high schoolers came up to me and says, hey, we're having a lock-in. And I said, yeah, we're having a lock-in. And he goes, can I make an escape room? And I'm like, you? No, it wouldn't work. And then I had a second thought about it, and I said, hey, go for it. Just go for it. You know, maybe a couple of kids will want to go in there. It was the hit of the night. It was awesome. So, Justin King, I'd like to thank you very much for that, an escape room at lock-in. It, it was awesome. So like Tom said, I'm the youth director here, 69-year-old youth director. Sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? <laughs> I've been teaching, coaching, mentoring kids uh, for about 27, 28 years now. Uh, about three years ago, uh, I decided to call it quits to my business. We sold it and retired. Uh, I remember when I talked to Pastor Tom about that, and I said, hey, Tom, man, I decided to retire. And he kind of stops for a minute and kind of looks at me and goes, are you going to sell the truck? And I'm like, uh, no. And that's how I became the volunteer handyman for this church. <laughs> so Pastor Tom, like you said, he's on, a, he's on a, he's a little rest and recovery now. He's having a great time watching me up here. I didn't expect him to be here, so maybe I'll have to stay on script today. But then, since the high schoolers are here, maybe I won't. All right, so let's ask God to give me a little cover while I dive into a little scripture tonight. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity, this blessing that you've given me, Lord. I can't do it. I told you that this morning. I told you for the 12th time I can't do this. And you pointed scripture to me, and you said, I want you to be a light, the light on the hill. Today, this morning, you will be my light on the hill. Just let it happen, Lord. Let your sun shine from me and reflect to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? All right, so I need a little audience participation today. Everybody have a cell phone? Hold it up. Got a cell phone? Hold it up. I want to feel like I'm teaching high schoolers, okay, and junior hires. So you got a cell phone? Okay, this is what I want you to do during my service. I need you to look at it every minute, <laughs> every 30 seconds if you're a girl, okay? I want you to fidget in your seats, talk to your neighbor, Raise your hand every once in a while and say, can I go to the bathroom or can I get a drink of water? But finally, what I want you guys to do is raise your hand and ask me, where's the donuts? Where's the donuts? I have them. Lauren, come on up here. Here you go. That's what I get every Sunday. Where's the donuts? Oh, you're here again? All right. So... I think we're ready. So last week, Pastor Brian Polston talked about giants in, your, in our lives, okay? So I'm here to tell you 
what it looks like, what those giants look like in my life. And notice I didn't say looked, because in my life, giants are around every corner. Like I said, whack-a-mole, okay? Specifically, we're going to be breaking down the concept of giving and what it has to do with giants in our lives. But first, I need to give you a little background on my personality, because it makes a big, it makes a big difference in what I'm going to explain to you today, okay? I am a risk taker, okay? I live for that. I'm that, that speed junkie when I was younger. I won't talk about that stuff. My kids have heard it. But I'm a risk taker. Now, my wife is not, okay? She is always on time. She's always early. She's always perfect and immaculate. And I'm the one who walks out the door and she says, you're not wearing that, are you? <laughs> what? I am the Corvette. She is the Subaru. Okay, so now you got a good idea what you're in for here, okay? So I love that when I first came to Christ, that God loves us unconditionally. I needed that in my life, okay? My wife often, actually more often than not, will tell me that she loves me. She loves and loves me very much, but she doesn't like me in that particular moment. And then she looks at me. So sometimes I allow myself to be a jerk, okay? We're all familiar with that. Uh, I am a jerk more than often. Uh, like Captain Kirk said, someday, some years you're crabby, some years you're not. At one point in 2018, I was a frustrated old man. The brain tumor that my wonderful wife has has taken away some of her memory. And life was made difficult for me because she couldn't remember things that I told her. See, the tumor had affected portion, that portion of the mind that affected short-term memory and some motor skills. And so on that particular day in 2018, she asked me a question that I had already answered three times before. And then she stood there staring at me, waiting for an answer. And in that moment, I felt like putting my fist through a wall. And then I remembered other times that she had looked at me like that. And when we were first married, I used to play this game uh, of getting to the airport as late as I could and still make the flight. This is obviously before 9-11. Uh, you know where this is going? Okay. One time, my wonderful wife and I headed for the airport. We sprinted for the gate only to watch the plane backing away. She turned and looked at me. I remember that. Another time I remembered that particular kind of look was when we had two young children. We were in a drive through of a fast food, fast food restaurant. And we, they, they, they took our order. And then between where they took our order and where we get our order, I was making fun of the person who had taken our order because I was good at imitating people. And the kids were laughing away at me. Man, I was dad. I was killing it. I was the man. I was the big dog, if you know WWE. And I was bouncing in my seat to the music, and then I turned and looked at my wife, and she just stared at me. And she said, that wasn't nice. Now, this is what I thought. This is what went through my mind. In that moment, I knew I'm a Christian man. What I should do is turn to my kids, turn to my wife, and say, you know what? Your mother is correct. 
I should not make fun of other people. I apologize. Please forgive me. But I didn't. Instead, I decided to argue that professional entertainers in Hollywood made their business imitating other people, and I was just being like them. People like Rich Little or Fluffy. Rich Little if you're old, Fluffy if you're young. Okay? So that, that uh, I was grounded for a week for that. All right, so she just stared at me. So in Isaiah, in the 42nd chapter, in verse 16, it says, and this, this changed my life. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. Unfamiliar paths, that caught my eye. Because over the time, 28 years that my wife and I had been married, we often took the roads that were less traveled. The roads were often dark, they were bumpy, full of pitfalls and traps. For instance, when my wonderful wife and I started a corporation, we were sitting in a conference room. My attorney was there, tax guy was there, the financial counselor, the, uh, the guy who advised me on what to put my money. They were sitting in there and they were talking and they turned to me and said, do you have a five-year plan? And I'm like, mm, no. And now this is the time I was staring because I didn't. And I thought about that later. I said, that's not right. How can I have a five-year plan down the road, five years down the road, if I don't even know what the road looks like? I've never been on that road. How am I supposed to have a five-year plan on an unfamiliar road? So our lives were on a very unfamiliar path, but God was with us. He was there beside us. See, God is not a milepost marker. He's not a sign. He's not somebody standing there and go, David, that's the road you should come back here. That's the road you should be on. He's not that. He's a guide. He doesn't point the way, but he walks alongside you. And it made a difference in our lives. Sometimes our road went off a cliff. Little did I know that I would watch my wonderful wife have a heart attack three surgeries, and a malignant tumor that is inoperable and uncurable. Indeed, we may experience pain that seems endless, and if you don't know what that's like, maybe you can talk to my golfing buddy, because he can tell you 13 years after it happened, to this day, he can tell you the pain and emotions that he went through in his life when he stood at his door at 1 o'clock in the morning, and there was a sheriff's deputy on the other side. He can tell you to this day, 13 years later, what he felt, that endless pain, when they told him that his 24-year-old daughter, driving down a dark, lonely road, had driven off and died. We may experience situations that seem hopeless, or waiting that seems unbearable. We may endure moments when the odds against us are stacked not only high, but they're wide. A seemingly impenetrable wall. Like when my wife and I were told for the second time that she had miscarried. And the chance that we could have kids was slim to none. There's a wall. Indeed, 
in our lives, we may not experience the healing that we long for. But even then, even then, Jesus was there beside us, guiding our path. It was an unfamiliar path, but he was there guiding us. Unfamiliar paths play a lot in our lives. Sometimes our path went uphill. When we started our business, it was difficult to put any offering in the basket here at church since we didn't make any profit. In fact, we lost everything we had. We put all our retirements into the business, and in the first four years, we lost it all. You see, we, we knew the business, but we didn't know how to run a business. So there's a little education there. Nevertheless, we gave from each check that came in the mail. Were we blessed? Yeah, we were. Most of the time, the blessings came in the form of wisdom. Now, let me explain that. Since most people here know that I'm a stubborn old man, okay? God allows me to have very little in my life to get my attention. So once he has my attention, then I listen to his guidance. And once I have his guidance, I correct my path. So I imagine God's looking down from heaven at me in one of those times, and he's gone, and he's got the angel Gabriel standing next to him, of course, and he's saying, David, 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 David! And the angel Gabriel says, Lord, I don't think he's listening. And God goes, yeah, he's not. I think he needs an attention getter. Whack! And Gabriel says, I think he's listening now. Like I said, whack-a-mole. One time we were out without food in the refrigerator. I don't know if any of you have ever had that happen, but it happened to us. About a week before Christmas, a friend of my wife's came by, saw that we didn't have a Christmas tree, and dragged her down. She was a little stubborn at that point, too. Dragged her down to Rite Aid, got us a tiny little tree. It was cool. The next day on our front doorstep, we found two bags of groceries. So we always made plans. But God orders our steps along an unfamiliar road. And while it was fairly easy to listen to God's guidance when you have very little, because you have nothing else to do, it's much more difficult to listen when we had an abundance of income. When it was time to retire, close up my business, that particular year was the highest it was the highest amount of profit we'd ever made in all our history of 20, um, 22, 23 years of running a business. It was the highest. After waffling for a couple of months, I said yes. But I'm thinking God knows more than I do. We gave out a lot of money and a lot of time from our lives to those who needed it. But it wasn't always that way. Giving is something we grow into. It doesn't happen overnight. Let me repeat that. Giving is something we grow into. It doesn't happen overnight. In Matthew 10.8, Jesus says, Freely you have received. Freely give. We have the gift of salvation that was free. We should be then the givers that freely give. So this act of blessing others, of giving to others, is not limited to money. Words and actions oftentimes are the best blessings of all. I need to 
take a moment and, and tell you that people come into this church on Sundays not just to praise the Lord, you know, not just to thank Him for everything that gone on their lives. But they come in here and they're looking for that hand on the shoulder, for that person to cry with. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for a home. This is their safe zone. Now, men don't usually cry together like women do when their life falls apart. Well, unless they're in a honky-tonk late at night and Bad Paisley's on playing uh, whiskey lullaby, then we cry, okay? But men, what we do is when we hear talk, listen to one of our buddies talk about how their life left them or their dog died or now I'm talking like a country song. <laughs> we just put our hand on their shoulder. So they know we're standing with them and we understand them. And to me, it's a powerful picture of God's guidance in my life is the hand on the shoulder. I like that. It made a difference in our life. In the first chapter of Luke, in verse 38, Mary, Joseph and Mary, my favorite characters that I've talked about with the youth. Mary told the angel, I am the Lord's servant. She said yes. It was her first yes. But did she understand the life that would unfold before her? One single yes to God. When she was but a teenager, she's not any older than the girls that we have in our youth. 14, 13. A simple yes. Does it mean anything? It did to Mary. As she found out that her yes ended up with watching her firstborn son go to the cross at Calvary as a very unfamiliar path. Interesting thing about that is that my, uh, the kids in my class often ask me, why do you always talk about Joseph and Mary? I said, because the, the lives that went before this, God creates this mosaic from Ruth all the way up to the birth of Jesus. And this high entire picture of what has gone on in the hundreds of years that have come before the birth of Christ of things that happen, of fights and wars and adultery and, and people just dying for no reason. And each one of them are for a reason. And when I think about my life, and, and I can relate to that, because I got married at 18, had a kid at 19, and that first kid was a daughter. 19. And I thought, what the heck? I never understood the meaning of all this. Yet God was weaving a mosaic through my marriages, my current marriage, through the, the birth of this, because she ended up marrying a med school student who later on went through the Navy, became a Navy doctor, decided to go into private practice. He is now a, a sports doctor. But he was there on that faithful day, and we were vacationing in San Diego, and my wife decided to have a heart attack. And he was there. And there's that mosaic. All of these things had to happen in order to get to this spot. It's amazing. Mary and Joseph, same thing. So I think back 28 years ago, and my wife was again looking at me. She was standing here. I was standing here, and we were facing a preacher, a pastor. And she was waiting for my answer. 
to the pastor. Did I understand the life that I would have with this dark-haired beauty? I had no clue. I had no clue. My answer was, yes, I do want to marry you. And so sealed my covenant with God. Yet another yes that would lead to some very unfamiliar paths. Because two months after my retirement, my wife was diagnosed with uh, cancer. She was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And in that moment, death was staring us in the face. So I went through my mental checklist. I said, let's see. Unfamiliar path? Check. Five-year retirement plans? I had five-year retirement plans then. Out the window? Check. Medical costs? Skyrocketing. God with a hand on my shoulder? Check. He was there. He guided us through what we have. He was there every step of the way, guiding us on an unfamiliar path. I like that. In the second chapter of Luke, verse 19, going back to Mary. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I think one sleepless night, I thought about that. That verse came to mind. What, did, what, did, what went through Mary's mind as she watched her son change the world, be admired, be hated, and ultimately watch in pain as her son was nailed and died on the cross at Calvary? Did she think about what her life would have been if she told the angel, uh, excuse me, hello, planning a wedding, I don't have time for this, why don't you check out my cousin? She's still young and she's available. She's still a virgin. I know it. All right? But I don't know. I wondered more often, more than once, where I would be if while I was standing on that altar I said no. I know my wife thinks about that every day. Maybe that's why she looks at me that way all the time. but I wouldn't be here on this morning preaching this word if that hadn't happened 28 years ago because God has created this whole thing to have me standing here giving you. God's telling you something. So as I stood there on that particular day in 2018 with my beautiful wife looking at me, waiting for her answer to a simple question that I had already answered three times before, my darkness and my frustration turned into light and joy. For many were the times that God could have taken her home. And I realized in that moment, in that moment, that I had, I had an opportunity to freely give her not once, not twice, but four blessings. So who can you bless today with a kind word? a hand on the shoulder, and an encouraging word. One of the men in our church came up to me after last service and said, you know, that word was meant for me. God's got a reason you're here today. God's got a reason why I'm here today. You see, God takes all of these yeses over my life and over your lives, all these yeses that you make, and he weaves them into a beautiful, endless chain of a life that is completely 
surrendered to him. So for those of you who have never said yes to bringing the love of God into your heart, this is your opportunity to start a life that is exhilarating and filled with peace. This isn't a difficult decision, but it's an important one. God's saying, now is the time. I plead to you like I did when I was 30 years old to listen to the Spirit's voice and give your heart to Jesus right now. Not when you're ready. No, I got this. And maybe you're tired. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Today's the day. This is the moment. If you want to join this wonderful life that I have, that Jesus can give you, he's freely given it to you. It's not going to cost you a buck. Raise your head. Just raise your head and look at me right now. It's a marvelous journey. It's an unfamiliar path. But God is right there with us, with a hand on our shoulders, guiding us along that path. So for those of you who have raised your head, repeat after me, Lord Jesus, everybody say it. Lord Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and receive you as Savior and Lord. Thank you for giving me, forgiving me of my sins and giving me eternal life. Make me the kind of person you want me, you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen.